What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, BLG? Stats, I just want to express some Tuesday morning gratitude for some of the incredibly special people in my life, including yourself. Uh, and wow. to everyone else, I just want to say spread love and gratitude, you beautiful people, and read a book once in a while, too, while you're at it. Well, I am actually reading a book right now, which is a huge thing for me. I got a copy of Playmakers by Mike Florio, and I'm halfway through it. I got it yesterday. This is like this is going to be the first book I will have read in years. I'm not a book guy. Not a book guy either, like anymore. Like I used to be growing up, but I feel like I read so much for work, you know, in terms of articles and, and right. different, and, and I write so much. I read so much of my own writing that like, I can't kind of do it for fun anymore. I think what I need to do uh, and listeners, if you have some good recommendations for this approach, I think I, I need to get into audiobooks more. Cause I like podcasts a lot and I think I'm kind of catching up on all the pods that I've been uh, maybe missing throughout the season and everything. So Maybe I need some good audiobooks to, to get on. And if anyone has any good recommendations, you can tweet at me at Brandon Gowton and at Stats on Fire for Rob. I love audiobooks when they put like the little sound effects in there too. Almost like an old time radio show. Like if someone's walking, you hear the footsteps like on the gravel. Like I'm all about that. When I used to drive to NBC, uh, NBC Sports in Stanford, Connecticut, it was like an hour away from where I lived. So I would just constantly go through audiobooks over and over and over again so yeah i agree they are fantastic and uh i i feel like it still counts as reading like if someone asked me like sure. oh did you read this book and i listened to it on the audiobook i say yes that counts right i mean like what's the difference in terms of like right. what are you gonna say no but then you know exactly what goes <laughs> on in that book like yeah so that is a funny uh thing to parse through stats i, I like how you just didn't even acknowledge how weird my intro is do you even know, know why i said what i said <laughs> no oh did aaron Rodgers tell people to read a book yes <laughs> okay we're gonna get to that uh, we're gonna get to aaron Rodgers' cryptic social media message and this is one of my favorite shows that i've been looking forward to blg because we give the mvp and the lvp points out throughout the entire season now that the season is over we have the whole list. We have the whole tally, and I like to look back on it because I think there's a lot that we can learn from it. Uh, before we do that, however, I want to mention that uh, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. Shout out to our guy, Conan. Says live oddcast, good stuff. We've been doing this for a while, so feel free to hop on board, retweet, tell a friend. Uh, you can always catch up on the SB Nation NFL Show YouTube page if you missed any of our previous episodes. All right, let's get into the Aaron Rodgers thing. Um, he does what Aaron Rodgers does, BLG. He posted a cryptic social media message, a lengthy social media message on Instagram with nine pictures, I think, attached to it. And it was kind of like a goodbye post, really. Like, if you ask me what he means, and this is, by the way, this is exactly what he wants. He wants all mm -hmm. of us talking about what he meant with this. I mean, there's things in there to his former fiance. There's things to the quarterback room. Uh, but he always talks about how grateful he is with the teammates and all that stuff. If you ask me, this is a goodbye post. He's retiring. Now, he's going to be on the Pat McAfee show today, Tuesday. 
So maybe he's waiting to announce it on that show to give them sort of like the exclusive. But to me, this means that Aaron Rodgers, at the very least, is not going to be back in Green Bay and may not be back at all. Yeah, and we're recording this at 944 currently Eastern. Uh, so anything that comes out after, it's not our fault. Um, there you go. Stats. I almost don't want to talk about this because Aaron Rodgers wants us to talk about this. Like, this is the point, you know, he wants to be cryptic and vague and it would not be the first time. And it is kind of funny from a content creator standpoint, which I'm sure everyone likes to hear about. Like, what what do you do with this? You know, if you're like, let's say this is, you know, you're covering this for Niners Nation stats and you see this post and Kyle Posey's like, hey, stats, I needed to grab this post real quick. It's like, what do you even put like the headline here? Like, what do we learn? You know, like, what did we really, really learn? What do we know for sure from this post? It is cryptic. It seems like he's saying goodbye. But like, to me, this this does not mean he's definitely gone from Green Bay. Like, just seeing this Instagram post alone, like, I don't know. I get, He's done weirder stuff. Last offseason was super vague, and he did a lot of weird stuff, too. So like, I can only read into it so much. It, I would, yes, if I if I have to say it means something, it Looks like he's leaning towards leaving, but who knows with him? Uh, it could just be to get attention, which he seems to like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's my real answer. First of all, he's going to do the thing that drives me nuts, which I hate. J.J. Watt does the same thing. He'll post something like this that he knows is cryptic and vague. And then he'll try and criticize the media for talking about it and speculating on what it might mean. Oh, the media loves to blow stuff out of proportion. What are you doing? Look at all these idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. Like, he does this on purpose. He wants everyone to be speculating and talking about him. And I saw this uh, post on Pro Football Talk, and I thought it was a good point by Florio. If you go all the way to the end, to the final picture. So Rogers, like I said, I think he posted like nine pictures, something like that. Yeah, He's in all of them except the last one. The last one is uh, the line of players at the National Anthem. It's Devontae Adams and it's Randall Cobb. And in the middle is an empty space. That is the game that Rodgers missed because of the whole COVID situation. So, like, he put that one last for a reason. What does that mean? Does that mean that he's retiring? Does that mean that he's done in Green Bay? Like, but he didn't pick it by accident, right? Like, that post doesn't just land in there, that picture. So he put it specifically there for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. Do you think Aaron Rodgers loves football stats? No, Hmm. not anymore. He might have before, but I think at this point now he doesn't. When you're talking about retiring, you don't love it. Like he's obviously really good. That's not what I'm saying here. Like he's very talented, but like, does he actually like, is this everything for him? And that's something like that this made me think about and and all the rumors. Like, because I could just see him walk away because I don't think like, I, I think he wants to win, you know, Super Bowl. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, he doesn't care at all or he hates it or something, but I don't think it's his everything. And I think this kind of post, I don't know, to me, that kind of spoke to some of that or at least raised questions and made me think about that. And uh, so, like, I can't say I'd be shocked if he walked away. I mean, I'd be surprised just based on his ending his career with uh, a loss to the 49ers like that and would be a kind of – going out on a whimper, uh, really going out on a whimper. But but again, I don't know. He's he's pretty unpredictable. Um, we're all left here just to, to sift through this. But I mean, obviously, it's huge because even if you don't, even if you're not a Packers fan or you don't really care about Aaron Rodgers, just like the impact this has. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC, who's the best quarterback remaining in that conference? Like, the, who's, who's the best clear cut? Answer that question for me. Said, who is the best quarterback in the NFC if Aaron, if uh, Aaron, and it's, you can't say Trey Lance. No, I wouldn't say Trey Lance. Uh, I think it's got to be either Russ or Dak, right? Or Stafford. 
or Stafford. Yeah, I, I honestly know. I, I think I would probably go with Russ. You wouldn't say Kirk Cousins, your guy? He's up there. He's probably <laughs> like top three or four, which is crazy. Um, but no, it, it completely shifts the power in the NFC. As someone that, you know, I covered the Niners. Obviously, you cover the Eagles. Like, I feel really good about both of those teams making the playoffs next year if the Packers aren't there because I don't I don't have any faith in Jordan Love. I don't we haven't heard it like at least with Trey Lance, like we're hearing like, oh, he's doing great things in practice. We haven't heard a peep about Jordan Love for years. I don't even know if that guy's still alive. Have we seen Jordan Love lately? Yeah, other than like when he played this year uh, in relief duty and didn't look not relief duty, but, you know, in, in place of Aaron Rodgers is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. All this is just probably a waste of time probably just like it was last year when we are you with me by saying at at the very least this means he's not going to be back with the Packers right like because why would you post this thank you to everybody I'm so grateful for all the friendships the picture of him not in the anthem line and then go back to the Packers because it's Aaron Rodgers and it doesn't have to make sense (laughs) and it could be weird like it was last year um that's why you think there's a zero percent chance that he is back in Green Bay I mean, it would be really, it would just be like so pointless to post this. If you're going back to Green Bay, it would be like the only reason to post this. If you're going back to Green Bay is just to get us talking about it and speculating and, and maybe boost the ratings for the McAfee show, I guess. Which does that sound impossible to you? (laughs) I guess not. No, you're not wrong. That's true. So it's weird. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see on Aaron Rodgers. Um, I God, if he did all this for nothing, like he uh, he's great, but as great as he is, he's also that annoying. Like he just <laughs> he bugs the hell out of me. I know there's like talk, you know, that some 49ers fans think that he could wind up there. Like as good as he is, he annoys me so much. I don't want him like I mm. I don't want to be forced to root for that guy. I just don't. Future 49ers quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Link to right. both this offseason. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we can get into the MVP LVP list because, I mean, I don't know if this probably says more about us, BLG, but Aaron Rodgers won the MVP this year and he was at zero on our MVP mm. LVP list. So we'll dive into what that means and look at uh, some of the other things from the 2021 season when we come back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show, this is the Off Day Debrief. All right, BLG. 
We have our list, the MVPs and LVPs. This is a season-long thing that you and I do every week. We pick the most valuable players and the least valuable players. Uh, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers here, so let's just start with him. He is at zero, which, by the way, you to get at zero on this list, we, we don't just throw everybody in the league on the list. Right. You have to either get an MVP point or get an LVP point to appear on the list at all, and then depending on where you uh, go the rest of the year. That's where your spot ends up. So Rodgers was at zero. So that means he did a couple things that got him some points, but he also did a couple bad things that, that equaled out his value here. Are you shocked that the MVP is at zero? Well, first of all, I like how you said you were excited for this when you forgot we were going to do this today. Stats, a little peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Uh, when then once I remembered, I became excited. Then you were excited. Okay. But that's, that's how excited you were. You didn't remember. Okay. Um, just, you know, had to, to fire a shot off at you before we got started um, mm-hmm. to keep you humble, keep you in check. <laughs> um, I think he doesn't deserve to be zero. Obviously he should be above zero. I mean, <laughs> that shouldn't be a, a bold take, but I think part of the MVP, LVP point system is this is the first year of us doing it. So we're figuring some things out. I think you were a little too harsh on Aaron Rodgers in week one when you gave him, you doubled up on his LVP. And I know he had a really bad game uh, against the Saints and it was, you know, in a neutral field and everything. So I get why you did it. But I think like moving forward, you have to be like really, really, really bad, I think, to get that double LVP. And I don't think he deserved that in week one, uh, especially giving him the benefit of the doubt, like knowing who he is. And that kind of might just be like a, a fluke performance and not more indicative of the whole season. I think that's kind of why he ended up. He probably would have ended up on the positive side, but probably only at one if he didn't double up there. So first of all, you started this by taking a shot at me. Now you're blaming me for Aaron Rodgers Correct. zero rating. I mean, he was the MVP. You would think the MVP would be able to get more than what? Two MVP votes from us during this season, especially because it's not like the Packers have a a vaunted rushing attack, right? Like if they win, you would think that he would get it. Uh, So thanks for, you know, just throwing me under the bus twice there, right? When we get started. Well, you're welcome. And another part of this is like many things in life, you're measuring against expectation too. So when Aaron Rodgers has a really good week one week and someone who we don't necessarily expect to has a really good week, you know, we're probably going to give it to that other person to, to say that's fair or not is up to you. But I think, you know, it's about, expectation and again that the goal of this activity isn't just to actually determine like the real mvp like it's 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 the oddcast mvp it's the it's the mvp that matters actually so <laughs> that's fair you know we have the only 100 accurate power rankings in the entire nfl podcast kingdom and uh, our mvp and lvp points they're not far behind let me just say that uh, other people that ended up at zero on this list because there were only four i believe or five I count one, two, three, four, five. Rogers, Matt Stafford, who is the quarterback of the team that won the Super Bowl. Nice. Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and <laughs> Lamar Jackson, which is, I mean, it's kind of an incredible list, to be honest with you. Stafford, I get. Like, this year was kind of like a reminder for me that, like, just because you win the Super Bowl doesn't mean that every that it's smooth sailing for the entire season, right? There are ups, there are downs and ebbs and flows. And I think uh, Stafford is is correctly rated on here with a zero because it's not like he was just a stud for 100% of the season. 
he was really bad in the weeks leading up to the playoffs, which is why I'd, I think you, me, we had serious questions about the Rams, how they would do in the postseason. I, I always cite the stat. It was something like eight touchdowns to nine total turnovers, so more, more turnovers than total touchdowns in his last four or five weeks of the season. Like, wasn't good. A very good stretch there. Um, and then even in the playoffs, wasn't amazing. He stepped up in some really key moments, but he wasn't like, you know, consistently great throughout um so yeah i think he, again he probably should be on the plus side like you know plus one or whatever but uh it's not insane to me that he's in the middle so stafford at zero belichick and mac jones and, and it's not like mac jones had a bad season are you surprised that both of them couldn't uh couldn't muster a single positive or net positive mvp rating well, they kind of ended on a whimper right i mean there was like they started slow and then they got to a place where, oh, no, the Patriots are back. They got Mac Jones. He's the next Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is a genius. It was just one down year. They figured it out. The, the Patriots are – there was a point there in the season where, especially after the Patriots beat the Bills in that game, you know, where they ran the ball 11 billion times. Uh, shout out to Keanu <laughs> Reeves. Um like where it was like, oh, Patriots are back. It's their division again. And then not quite. <laughs> and then they ended on a whimper, speaking of whimpers, with a, a big loss to, to that same team uh, that they beat in the Bills. So uh, I think it's kind of appropriate that they, you know, like you said, there's a, there's ebbs and flows. Yeah. And I think, honestly, like if that wasn't such a weird weather game against Buffalo, I would have been fascinated to see how that turned out. Because when they played later on, like you could see Josh Allen was on a mission from God that he was going to take down the Patriots. He was incredible in that game. I think it bothered the hell out of him that, that they couldn't do the things that they wanted to do. Like he couldn't kind of showcase his abilities in that game. Cause the way he came out later on was just absolutely unbelievable. Um, let's look at the top five and the bottom five. Cause mm -hmm. I think those are important. You want to start at the top or the bottom? Why don't we start at the top? Okay. The number one MVP According to the oddcast, this season was Joe Burrow with five wow. MVP points, which is a lot. Can I uh, st stop down this real quick? Yeah. Joe Burrow, who season-long award on the oddcast, consistently, RJ loves to say that, like, <laughs> oh, you guys are just bandwagon guys, and you moved from Justin Herbert to Joe Burrow. I mean, how did he end up first in the overall standings if we were a bandwagon? Like, we gave him points throughout the season because we recognized. And again, this kind of speaks to the expectation of it all. No one expected Joe Burrow to be this good this year, and he was. And that's why I get all these points. The last two games that he played in the regular season he threw for 971 yards with eight touchdowns and no interceptions like he was unbelievable in huge spots and i know one of those games was against the ravens and they had a zillion people whatever man like that's an incredible incredible game he deserves credit so he is stands alone as the champion of the oddcast with five net mvp points throughout the year then josh allen at four Jonathan Taylor at three. I feel like almost all of those came from you. Uh, TJ Watt at three and Jamar Chase at three. So the Bengals had two players in the top five. It's no wonder they got to the AFC title game. And the thing with Burrow is like he clearly was like incredible driver of their success. Obviously, he wasn't being carried like their offensive line stunk. We saw that. We all saw it like <laughs> right. that. He was thriving in spite of that. And obviously is some really good receivers. Um, but he made those players better too. Uh, it wasn't like they were just carrying him. So uh, I think that top five, I feel good about that. Um, I feel like 
you know, we did well there. And and Justin Herbert was also uh, tied for three in there uh, with Jamar Chase, not actually in the top five of my order. He's six here, but, you know, tied, uh, technically tied for third because... That's true, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. You know how uh, it is. Um, so I feel good about that. Like, I don't, I don't have any regrets here. I don't think anyone was too high. Jonathan Taylor... Um, like had a stronger case for MVP probably if the quarterback there in Indianapolis totally didn't fall apart and the Colts <laughs> missed the playoffs because <laughs> of that. Um, Watt was dominant. He was a force and a big reason why the Steelers were even able to make the postseason with Ben Roethlisberger at their quarterback. So I feel good about all these. Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor's season is not getting enough yes. love. Like the fact that the Colts miss the playoffs while getting a season like this from Jonathan Taylor, this is one of the best seasons from a running back we have seen probably in the last five or 10 years. That's how good he was. And the, they couldn't beat the two win at the time. Jaguars, the final week of the season to get to the playoffs. Like Jonathan Taylor ran for 1800 yards with 18 touchdowns. He caught almost 400 yards in receptions with two receiving touchdowns, 20 touchdowns and over 2100 yards from scrimmage it's incredible like running backs do not do that nowadays and the Colts still miss the playoffs I mean you know quarterback's kind of important if they had Philip Rivers instead of Carson Wentz this year what do the Colts do like how does their season end I mean they're definitely in the playoffs I would think right at least at least they get one more game I think they might win a playoff game they almost did it last year with Philip Rivers right Right. I mean, he sort of like tried to come back at the end there. I think if they had Andrew Luck right now, they probably would have made the playoffs. And if you saw Andrew Luck at the national championship game, you know that he is not exactly uh, in playing shape, let's just say. But yeah, Jonathan Taylor deserves way, way more credit. Uh, We talked about everybody else there. Josh Allen, not surprising. Mm -hmm. TJ Watt, TJ Watts, another season like. The dude tied Michael Strahan's single season sack record and missed multiple games. This wasn't like, oh, well, he played 17 games. Like, no, no, no. He missed time and still did it. It was an insanely good year from TJ Watt. But again, quarterback play and the Steelers missed the playoffs. But I think this kind of is a good measure, again, of the MVP thing because it's it's not like, hey, this is a really good like sack artist on a team with a good quarterback. So he's getting more attention and more glory because of that. Like, no, TJ Watt was a big reason they were winning like him, like not because they had a good quarterback also. Um, So I think it's fitting that these kind of players who were on teams that probably shouldn't even like been in the playoffs maybe, or when obviously the Colts weren't, or like shouldn't have even been as close as they were or making it. Um, But they had incredible talents that got him closer or made it in in the case of the Steelers. So uh, I think that's an important thing to think about is just how much value they were actually adding. Like this isn't also like by by contrast, this isn't like a player like racking up a bunch of empty stats on like a four win team. Like that's not the case here. All right, let's shift gears a little bit and let's go to the bottom five and the bottom five. I feel like BLG that's like more telling about us. (laughs) Then I think maybe the actual performance, like maybe we have to adjust. I was talking with a loyal uh, look ahead listener last night who suggested that we should amend this and we should make it that you cannot vote for any Eagles for LVP and I cannot vote for any 49ers. Um, And I think if you, when we look at the bottom of this list here, you'll see why the number one high or the, the most LVP points on the season. Kyle Shanahan with negative five, 
followed by Urban Meyer with negative four, which looks bad for Shanahan, but Meyer was fired. And once you get fired, like you're not going to get any more LVP points. So he probably would have ended up number one, but he got fired. Then Carson Wentz, your favorite quarterback of all time at number three. And then we've got a bunch of people tied at minus two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean McVay is up here. Jalen Rager is up here at minus two. The Dolphins franchise minus two. Teddy Bridgewater, Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Jimmy Garoppolo. That is quite the list. Brady shouldn't be in here. Uh, that's that's one that definitely sticks out as wrong. Um, a lot of these, though, I think are fair. Maybe Dak is a little too harsh, but not like insane. Um, a lot of the other ones I think are pretty reasonable. I think I wasn't too crazy harsh on the Eagles here. Like I think Jalen Rager was a disaster and has been a disaster <laughs> and should be down here. Um, Kyle Shanahan finishing as the the like the bottom spot. That's a little tough on him for for. I know he wasn't perfect by any means, and there's a lot of criticism that I think you rightfully had towards him. But like he shouldn't be at the bottom of this list, right? Well, it's wild. So we've got Shanahan at minus five. His team made the NFC title game, had a 10-point lead in the <laughs> For the second time in three game. years. <laughs> yeah, right. And then we've got Sean McVay's at minus two in That's the top fine. five, and his team won the Super Bowl. He so. wasn't even good. He wasn't <laughs> even good in the Super Bowl or most of the playoffs. Like, he wasn't. Tell me that he was. He was not. That's the thing is that, like, these coaching decisions and game management stuff matters, especially with you and me. I feel like we're both big on that. And so you can win the game, as we've seen, and still do a bad job. I mean, Sean McVay did a bad job, did everything he could in that NFC title game to sabotage his own team, and they still won the game. But well, they the Super Bowl, you're just running yeah. the ball into a brick wall for like half the game again Ugh. against like a more competent team. You're like they're not going to get away with that. Like they, I'm not saying they they beat a little joke of a team in the Bengals, but I'm saying like they got away. There was. Sean McVay did not maximize. He did not give this team an edge. Like right. I feel like with a better coach, the Rams could have like blown out the Bengals, or it wouldn't have even been. It wouldn't have come down to the last drive. It would have been more comfortable lead. And like this, just in like that's your only job as a coach is to maximize your team's chances of winning. So when you don't do that, the one of the things I like about this show, BLG, is that we don't just go up. Oh, the team won. Everything's good. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everybody did great. Like no. Right. We can separate the two, and I think that's a lot of the time what we did, and that's how you get sort of this bottom five. The other thing that jumped out to me, the Urban Meyer, first of all, he probably could have got more, um, but him being in second place does not surprise me. But I just think about how bad things were with the Jags this year, and I don't know about you. I feel so much better about them now that they have Doug Peterson there and the staff he has in place. Like, I I feel pretty good about the Jags, and it's crazy how much that can flip just in one offseason. Yeah, I've I've kind of talked about this I don't, maybe here um, in a number of places. Uh, I, I have some reservations about Jacksonville, obviously, just because of ownership and Trent Baalke, as we've talked about. Um, but they deserve a chance. I think the Jags have raised their floor, which is significant for a team that's won six-plus games in just one out of Shad Khan's uh, like nine years or whatever, 10 years or so of ownership now. Um, so, yeah, you know, that helps. And I think Doug has a chance to get this team back on the right track. And if he doesn't, I will blame ownership and I will not blame <laughs> Doug at all. I mean, if, if it's Doug obviously being a disaster, then I will criticize him. But, um, yeah, I, I do think there's hope for them, at least. I did actually did a, a question and answer exchange with um, big our friends at Big Cat Country last week. 
So if you want to go check that out and what I had to say about Doug Peterson, for some reason, you can go check that out up on their site. Um, I'm hopeful, but I, I do have reservations. But you're certainly more hopeful now than you were when Urban Meyer was yes. brought in, right? Like I, I was so down on that immediately. Like to me, it was so obvious that that was not going to work out there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited because I like when guys are good, when more teams are good and more quarterbacks are good. It's better for the NFL. It's better just in general. It makes the league better. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, everybody thought this guy was one of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. He had a very rough rookie season. I do put a lot of that on Urban Meyer. So I'm hoping that Doug, you know, can maximize that a little bit and turn him around. He adds credibility, like at the very least. And yes. that's kind of what I was saying uh, and I've said before about the Ron Rivera hire in Washington. Now, obviously, um, the Washington is a big disaster and sometimes you can't overcome that. But he at least makes them like a real NFL team. Like the Jags were not a real NFL team. They haven't been. They've barely <laughs> they've won what? Like whatever, how many, four games, three games, whatever, in the past couple seasons here. Um, so now they're an actual NFL team. And they might not be a very good one, but they will be like a legitimate NFL franchise, unlike they were under Urban Meyer. And RJ has done well to point this out before. Like literally everyone was like, this is not going to work <laughs> the whole time. And then it didn't. Like, it, like what? how unified are people on things ever? Like we can't get people to agree if the sky is blue. I feel like, um, but somehow we all knew Urban Meyer was going to be a disaster, and he was. Right. We're not even all willing to say that the earth is round, but I don't remember anybody standing for Urban Meyer. And Don't do that to me. <laughs> do not yes. do that to me. <laughs> uh, there's quite a few people at minus two on this list, and I think, like, honestly, most of them are fair. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes being at minus two, I think, is fair. It's relative he to expectation. And also, like, the Chiefs' big problem this year was turnovers. He's the quarterback, so he has to shoulder the lion's share of the blame for that, even though he did, obviously, some incredible, amazing things and will we'll always remember the game against the Bills in the playoffs. But I think that Mahomes having a negative two is fair. Yeah, this isn't like – it's not like – wow, Patrick Mahomes, he sucks because he have negative two. That's not, right. again, what the system is saying. The system is saying he was disappointing. And and early on, when the Chiefs got off to that slow start, which also mattered, by the way, because maybe if the Chiefs have the bye and the one seed and everything, maybe they're in a better spot and they don't lose to the Bengals. I mean, maybe they still do. Who knows? But, like, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, you give yourselves a better chance. We all know that Andy Reid has been really good after the bye historically and everything. So uh, that that mattered in the end, not them not being able to get that number one seed. And a big reason why was because Patrick Mahomes, I thought, especially early in the season, was trying to do a little too much at times. And then even really – that was how it ended for the Chiefs. He was trying to do too much at the end of that Bengals game and almost blew the game in regulation because of it. Um, so I think it's fitting. I don't I don't think, again, this means Patrick Mahomes is like doomed by any means. And and next year he could easily be like at the top of these standings. But yep. for now, this 2021 season was disappointing, not only for him and the Chiefs as a whole. So it's fitting. I mean, look, they have probably the highest expectations I mean, going into the season, it was like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs are probably only going to lose three games this year. Like, that's a really high bar to meet in a league designed for anybody to beat anybody on any given Sunday. That's very difficult to continue to play to that standard year after year after year. And I keep saying it, and people don't like hearing it, especially Chiefs fans. But it's entirely possible that we have seen the best Patrick Mahomes that we are ever going to see. The dude threw 50 touchdown <laughs> passes in a season. That's incredible. Like. 
you know, we think of like progression as a linear thing, right? Where you go, oh, well, he did this. So he's just going to keep getting better every single year. Uh, Mike Florio, when I was there, said he thought Mahomes and Chris Sims, they both said it could throw 60 touchdowns in a season. And I'm sitting there like, are you out of your mind? Like how many games are we playing in this season? Like that just does not happen. But we sometimes do that where we just assume, well, guys are just going to get better every year. That's not how it works. Same thing with Dan Marino's best season came in year number two. Like sometimes that's just how it goes. And Mahomes has a very high bar to reach, and he can be at times a little erratic. You know, his game, a lot of his game thrives on improvisation and, you know, the, the quote-unquote second play, right? When you, the routes, you, you run the play and nothing's open, and then he has to make something happen. And when you do that, you it's hard to be consistent in those situations all the time. And sometimes he gets in trouble, and that's all, and that's how you wind up with the negative uh, – minus two LVP points for the season. I wonder if this season will kind of change him a little bit and shape him and kind of if there will be a reflection and be like, hey, I kind of need to like dial it back. I need to be a little bit more selective about when I'm going to do this and not just rely on this all the time. And and maybe sometimes I don't need to do the no look pass to someone over the middle and I can just be a little bit more simple with it. Uh, I wonder. I don't know. I don't really have a great sense of his personality. I don't think he's uncoachable based on what I do know about him, but I don't, I'm don't. i obviously not covering him as intimately as, let's say, Pete Sweeney uh, is for Arrowhead Pride. So I'm kind of interested to see where he goes from this year. Uh, and, you know, if there are any changes and maybe there will be, I, again, I'm not, no one is out on Patrick Mahomes. No one is like, right. this guy's bad. It's just, you know, I think there's, he's not perfect. No player, very few players are in the NFL. Uh, I don't think anyone is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he responds to me. Um, I wanted to talk about Carson Wentz a little bit though, stats, because. Stunner. Well, there was a time, like, I think it was after the Cardinals game, which is when I tweeted during that game when he wasn't looking great, that the Colts need to be in the market for a new quarterback this offseason. And I got a lot of blowback after Carson Wentz led the uh, Colts to victory in that Cardinals game, a Cardinals team, by the way, that very much sputtered down the stretch, including that game. Mm-hmm. And I think even you, at, after that game on the podcast that, really, that week, you were like, got to give Carson Wentz some credit. And I'm like, no, I don't, because he thinks <laughs> he hasn't been good. I mean, he yes, in that moment, was he? did he do some good things? Sure. But like on the whole... I thought he was detrimental to the team. And it, the Colts clearly believe that as well. And now, again, you said that before you saw him lose to the Raiders and the Jaguars Jags. at the end of the season. <laughs> but, like, I mean, part of that was him being who Carson was and I believe being selfish and being stubborn and not getting the vaccine and putting himself in a position where he didn't end up missing any games, like, in part because the NFL changed the rule that week, so he kind of got lucky there. But, like, there's some you know, some have theorized that having COVID kind of made him play worse down the stretch. Like you don't give him a pass for that. I mean, like, dude, like, you know, you didn't do everything you could to kind of fight against that. Um, so I, I'm not ready to give him a pass at all. And the, that the Colts are looking to move on. And I think, was it, is it Bob Kravitz uh, stats or our friend from the athletic? Um, I think he put it something like just because um, you're in a bad marriage doesn't mean you should like, think okay what if mr right or, or mrs right like aren't out there you know what i mean like you shouldn't just be committed to the sunk costs and that's something we've talked about a lot um but it's just kind of funny because that kept that keeps being brought up it's like well what do the Colts do if they don't keep carson wentz it's like it doesn't like whatever like you they can you can figure something out that is a better option than carson wentz because you know he is not the answer like that that's don't waste another year on him 
Look at what the Rams just did. They they took the biggest cap hit ever to get rid of Jared Goff. And they bring in Matt Stafford, and they won the Super Bowl. They didn't say, well, with the cap hits too big, we can't do that. No, 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 no. When you know that you don't have the guy, get out of it. There is no point to staying in it. Like the marriage is a perfect thing. Like, great, you're married, but you're not happy. That why in a in a life where you have a finite number of days on this planet, would you sacrifice any of them if you are not happy? The Rams did it. It's to their credit. I think they were brave. You know what it is, BLG? Teams don't one want to publicly admit that they were wrong. And they don't want to take that, what is it, day, two days, three days of criticism, whatever it is, which is insane because, like, so what? So what that you get criticized? Like, you know you're doing the right thing. You get paid all this money to make the tough decisions. So make the tough decisions. I think it was interesting to see some of the things coming out about Carson Wentz in terms of, like, the Colts didn't like his leadership. And it's like... Yeah, like this is what we were saying in Philly the whole time. Like, how is this a shock? Like, this was the whole thing with him. It wasn't just about like Carson Wentz had a really bad season in 2020. So he was going to be bad forever. That was never the argument. The argument, because it was unlikely that he would be that bad again. And he wasn't that bad, obviously, in 2021. But the point was like, this guy is not a good leader. He's not coachable. Pairing him up with Frank Reich, this idea that coaches can magically fix players. Can we like bury that? Because everyone said that was going to happen with Sam Darnold and you just had to get him away from the Jets and he's going to be great. No, he, no, not everyone that. said that. I some, didn't say that. Right. I don't think we said that. But like my point is sometimes players are bad and some I don't know why people can't accept that. And obviously there are cases where players can get better. But even someone like Ryan Tannehill that everyone used as the example, you just got to get out of Miami. Now he's great in Tennessee. Well, the Titans don't seem to be feeling like amazing or, or Titans fans maybe don't feel so amazing about Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback. Is he better than he was in Miami? Sure. And he's a better support system. I'm not saying they can't be better at all and they're exact same, but like at, at, at their essence, they're not like night and day difference. It's not like, oh, wow, this is a totally different player. And they're, I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule, but that's it, just it. It's the exception and not the rule. So uh, I don't know what the Colts do if we're trying to like figure out who exactly they should get. I mean, maybe it's a trade for your guy, Kirk Cousins, because I think he kind of raises their floor a little bit and having Jonathan Taylor would do him uh, a lot. And maybe they can kind of just like Kirk Cousins loser proof uh, the team, uh, not counting on it, but maybe it's that. I don't think Jimmy G trading for him does, you know, a whole lot for them. Um, I don't know. I don't know the right answer for them, but I know the wrong answer. And the wrong answer is Carson Wentz. Environment does matter. hundred percent. It absolutely does. No matter point. what position you're in, it, it does matter. I've seen it personally with Alex Smith. I've seen it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like when they can run the ball, he looks like a much better quarterback. Like environment does matter, but it doesn't change you that much. It helps but you're not going to suddenly morph into this player that we've never seen before. And whether you're drafting a guy or signing a guy in free agency or trading for a guy, especially a quarterback, BLG, I feel like the question you should base your decision on is, what if everything about this player stays the same? Mm -hmm. Will we still be happy? Is this still a good move for us? Because I feel like sometimes with the draft, it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's got some accuracy issues. But if we fix that and we make him a little more patient, it's like, no, assume this person is going to stay the same. 
is this a good move? Are you better off? And I don't think the Colts did that with Carson Wentz. I think they were just like, well, we'll, we'll fix it. And it's like, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in football. It doesn't happen in life. Let's be honest. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you're like, yeah, I know they're a selfish jerk, but once I get a hold of them, that I'll be able to fix. No, they're tricking you. That doesn't happen. I think the way I perceive it, I think people think of like draft prospects, kind of like what you're talking there to a larger point that they come in as these like total moldable balls of clay. Like you can shape them into anything. And again, there might be some exceptions to that where that is the case maybe like jordan mylata for the eagles who came in that never played a lick of football stats had never <laughs> even put a, on a helmet before so the first weird. the first time he ever put on a, a football helmet an actual helmet was in uh like otas in of, of may or whatever 2018 and he couldn't even like hear the coaches because he wasn't like used to having a helmet on and being able to like hear people like talk to him so like that is a very rare exception, obviously. But I think most of these guys come in with a pretty, like, I don't know what the percentage is, but I think more than 50%, maybe like 70% of they are what they are. And then maybe that 30% can be like uh, of like moldability, if you want to call it, uh, is there like that, that amount kind of differs maybe on different players and things based on attributes and all that and mental capacity. And in Carson Wentz's case, coachability. And that was a big thing being coachable, being willing to take hard coaching. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, all the players who are coachable are also going to be great because I think there's a, there's a cap on players like Jalen hurts where I think he's coachable as heck and a big reason why he's easy to like, but at some point you just don't have that talent. So it's finding about the right mix of it. But to me, my, my larger point here is that like, we shouldn't just always think things can be changed or fixed and the right coach can just magically solve anything. They can help. Like you said, I'm not saying they can't do anything and you're doomed, but like you can't just assume that, uh, like this, get the right player, the right coach, and it's magic, and it's going to work out. And the Carson Wentz situation should be an example of that because everyone thought that once Frank Wright got back to him, it was just like it was. It was assumed that that was a thing. That was last last off season. That's everyone's like, oh, Frank Reich back with Carson Wentz. Like this is the reason the Eagles won the Super Bowl. These two right here, no other reason, <laughs> and uh, didn't go so well for Indianapolis. So, yeah, I don't know what the heck's going to happen with Carson Wentz. It wouldn't stun me at all if he's not a starting quarterback next season. To me, he mm -hmm. did nothing this season that that proves he absolutely deserves a job. Um, so we'll see what happens with Carson. The Colts pretty quickly made it extremely obvious that they were going to look for a quarterback. Like when Chris Ballard says, <laughs> well, at the time, we thought it was the right decision. And then says, I'm not going to say one way or the other who's going to be here on our roster next year. That pretty much tells you all you need to know about the Colts. They decided relatively soon after the season ended that they needed to move on. So we'll see what happens with Carson Wentz. We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers, who, like we said, is going to be on the McAfee show later today. Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM, has a press conference scheduled for tomorrow, which should tell you that something is happening with Aaron Rodgers. Pretty mm. sure they don't call press conferences for general managers to announce that the quarterback is staying. So, I don't know. We'll see, BLG. Enjoy your week. Thanks for for keeping track of the list all season, by the way. I appreciate it. Are we going to do this next year as well? Uh, I think we are, Stats. I think the people are clamoring for it. It'd be a big injustice to our listeners. I, I'd actually like to give out an honorary MVP point, if Ooh, you'll allow me, Stats. I'm not going to give sure. it to myself. I'm going to give it to the listeners of this show because oh. they deserve it for sticking with us. They're the real uh, oddcast MVPs here, Stats. <laughs> you going Kevin Durant on us here? 
<laughs> I don't want to be associated with him. Uh, more of a James Harden guy now on the Sixers. Ugh, God, I'm figures. You, you beard people stick together. All right, everybody, enjoy <laughs> your week. Uh, we'll be here with you every single day of the offseason, so don't worry. Don't have to close up shop. Again, rate, review, follow the SB Nation NFL show, and uh, hopefully something cool happens with Aaron Rodgers, and we'll be back next week.